You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One a Tottenham supporter, the other an Arsenal supporter. All here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Hello and welcome to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar, uh, a brand new podcast uh, brought to you by Stuart Hill's exclusive wines, Taxi Point and Our Bar here in Calahonda where we're broadcasting from. I'm Chris Carl, I'm joined uh, by my partner Steve Kenton, I'm a Spurs fan, he's an Arsenal fan, we're sitting down in a civilised way to talk about the beautiful game, Steve. Good evening, Chris. And uh, yeah, we're here just proving that the ugly side of football still really does exist. <laughs> yes, look at us. Uh, thankfully, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a look at uh, the past week. It is the 12th of February. If you're listening to this in the future, uh, you'll know some of the scores of the games we're going to talk about. What haven't happened yet? But we are going to look back at last weekend. Uh, Poor old Chelsea. Who's sorry now? Six <laughs> nil, Steve. Yeah, the joy of six, eh? Uh, I, to be honest, I think Chelsea were lucky to get nil. Yes, definitely. Yeah, they really were. They took a battering and there's a, there is talk. I mean, you know, Chelsea, they are known for changing managers quite a lot. He's, he's got a, he's going to go, isn't he? But who would take his place? Well, well, he is going to go. Um, I, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Uh, but, but Chelsea, you know, how many managers have they had over the last 15 odd years? They've been so successful. So a change of manager, I don't think is going to be a detrimental uh, event. I mean, do you think it's, it's something to do with, the, we've had it before um, with Mourinho at Chelsea and of course at Manchester United very recently back in December. Um, is it something to do, do you think, with player power? Like, you know, they, I mean, they forced Mourinho out of Chelsea, didn't they? Are the, are the players not performing or don't they just, they don't understand what, what does he call it, sorry ball? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think there is an element of, um, of player control here because you, you can't go through that many managers at one club without some form of a player power being exerted at the club. Uh, and let's be honest, the, the, the one most expendable uh, asset at any club is the manager. Actually, yeah, I think people forget that. You know, when you go into a restaurant and a waitress serves you badly, it's her that gets sacked. Uh, the manager stays put, but in football it is the other way around. Uh, you know, if the, if the players play badly or don't play you know, the way they've been told to play, uh, they stay put and the manager uh, goes. But talking of, uh, you know, because you're an Arsenal fan, I'm a Tottenham fan, let's move on from City and Chelsea at the moment. Um, Aaron Ramsey, your thoughts, (laughs) what has happened there? Well, uh, for 400,000, is it euro or pounds? Pounds, that is pounds. pounds. For 400,000 euros, a move to Juventus, it's an absolute no-brainer. Juventus, world-class side, um, he's going to win silverware with Juventus. At the moment, unfortunately, he's not going to win silverware at Arsenal or no, nothing of any what you'd term real consequence. Uh, and to be honest, I think Arsenal were absolutely foolish in not trying to do everything they possibly could to keep him at the club. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he's, he's going to go on a free. So people mm. are saying um, £400,000 sterling. Mm. Um, you know, not Raheem, but sterling. Uh, he's going to get four hundred grand. <laughs> a week and people are saying that's a lot of money he will in fact be the highest earning British player ever based on basic salary mm. um, people are saying it's a lot of money for Juventus but they're paying nothing for him There's, is, what, what do you think he's worth? As a, as a player um, if he were coming out of say a three, two or three year contract you wouldn't see a lot of change out of about given his age I suppose about 45 to 50 million pounds 
So they've saved that, haven't they? You know? Oh, e easily, easily. And, you know, I mean, what, what is 400,000 uh, 400, a week? What are we talking? Nearly nearly 2 million a month. You know, it's, a, it's about 22 million a year, give or take. Um, you know, what, what's he got? Four-year contract? Five-year contract? Yep. yep. Well, Four-year Four contract. 88 million. It's a snip for yeah. Juventus because ultimately they'd still be paying his wages regardless of any transfer fee. Absolutely. That's I mean that's the big news this week from the Premier League but we, I mean I suppose early on in this show uh, it is a brand new show. Um we ought to mention what happened this week of course goalkeeping great. Uh, Gordon Banks died this week um, at the age of 81. Uh, Steve, you've been looking into the life and times of Gordon Banks. I mean, you know, people are saying he was the greatest goalkeeper ever. Mm. Uh, especially particularly British goalkeeper ever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would, personally, I would say he is the best goalkeeper that Britain has ever produced. It, was he the best ever, period? Um, certainly up there within the top ten. It, it's one of those uh, discussions that we probably will be having um, throughout the show at some point. But, uh, you know, this is a Sheffield-born born goalkeeper. Um, he was an OBE. He's... he's Gosh, 73 caps for England, 679 league games. He played for Chesterfield, Leicester Stoke, um, played played for Cleveland on loan, uh, Hellenic, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, and St. Pat he played a single game for St. Patrick's Athletic before finally hanging up his gloves in 1977. Um he lost That's an eye in 72 and still managed to play a few games. I, I mean was about to say, I mean, you know, I, he lost that eye and still played on for another six years. That's incredible, actually, no matter what level he was playing at. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he was class. He was, he was an absolute gentleman in the game as well. So, you know, I mean, it would be a, a terrible loss for the game. Yeah, I mean, obviously the tributes have been flooding in from people who played with him and contemporaries of his and people from, you know... The, who played a lot later in the game, you mm. know, like Gary Lineker and those sort of people. Um, he played in every single game of the 1966 World Cup campaign, obviously winning it. Yep. Uh, but everybody knows him from that save, the down, uh, downward header from uh, Pele. Um, you've got some quotes about that, have you? you uh, yeah, yeah. The conversation uh, that went on between um, <laughs> Pele, Gordon Banks and Bobby Moore directly after he made that save. was Pe Pele said to him, I thought that was a goal. <laughs> Gordon Banks turned around and said, you and me both. And then Poppy Moore interjects with, you're getting old, Banksy. Used to be able to hold on to those. <laughs> you get it. I mean, wow. I mean, yeah. Everybody says to this day, you look at it over and over again, that, you know, that no other goalkeeper could ever stop it. It was incredible because yeah. it was headed down with such power, so close to the line. And yeah. I, I don't know, the, the, the movement he made with his body, you'd have to be a yoga instructor to be able to do that. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, and the thing was... Allegedly, he he was aware that it, there was no way he was going to hold the ball, and he didn't want to push the ball out for a rebound. So the only thing he could do was literally flick it up to get it over the bar, and it, which is what he achieved. The closest I've seen anybody come to anything remotely like that save was David Seaman uh, against Sheffield United, where he performed a very similar save. But I've never seen anything quite like what Banks did. I mean, that was just yeah. incredible. Well, so from uh, Carl and Kenners and Hitting the Bar, our condolences and thoughts go out to yeah. uh, Gordon Banks' family. Uh, he was very, very much appreciated and loved. But he's not the only one to have, um, to have no, passed this week. No, and, and coincidentally, uh, the, this, this player played for the, sa the same, f uh, same teams as, as Gordon Banks, ironically enough. 
player by the name of Mick Kennedy. Got a couple of international caps for the Republic of Ireland. Um, in fact, he's uh, probably well remembered for knocking out a Czech Republic player's teeth <laughs> during that game, or Czechoslovakia as was, I believe. Um, but he, he played for Halifax, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, Portsmouth, Bradford, Leicester, Luton, Stoke, Chesterfield and Wigan. Made fi- uh, 535 appearances, scoring 29 goals from midfield. Uh, Salford-born player, um, Again, another player, a great player, will be sorely missed. Absolutely. So, again, condolences and love and uh, respect to the families there. Mm. Um, let's have a look back on the, the week's football. Uh, we've just touched on Chelsea and Sari and all that and a 6 0. I'm an Ars- um, uh, You're an Arsenal fan. Let's not get that <laughs> one up early on. Good, goodness <laughs> me, that would have been fatal. Um, no, I'm, I'm a Tottenham fan and, of course, you know, very much enjoyed the fact that we beat Leicester 3 1, keeping us in contention for at least second spot, possibly first. Um, reading a lot of fan boards, Tottenham fan boards in particular, and uh, you know, met people talking on Twitter and experts, so-called professional pundits, people are saying Tottenham were dreadful in that game. Well, I'd like them to be that dreadful and win 3-1 every week, obviously. Um, but there is this thing that they're not playing a beautiful game. They're getting away with games, winning 1-0 when they shouldn't have. Um, but that's how you win the league, or that's how you come close, I think. Mm. I mean, you've been closer as an Arsenal fan. You've been closer to those days yeah. uh, in your time supporting Arsenal and I have been, you know, I've had it rougher than you over the last 30 years. <laughs> um, the tables have turned a bit, but you know what that feeling's like winning ugly. Oh, oh yeah, under George Graham, I mean, we it, it was a regular occurrence, you know, the, you could literally get the best 90 minutes sleep of your life at Highbury when, <laughs> <laughs> when you were watching a George Graham managed game. Um, you know, it, but, you know, the old adage, one nil to the Arsenal, I mean, that dates back that to the 30s, it, yeah. believe it or not, but... Um, you know, you've got you've got to you've got to win ugly. If you can't win ugly, then you're not going to win a title. You know, uh, at the moment you look at Manchester City. I mean, they're they're pretty much beautiful in every game, but when they're bad, mm. <laughs> they lose. Uh, you know, they they can't they don't win ugly. Right. They don't win ugly at all. Tottenham are winning ugly. Um, I, I look at Liverpool, and I, I don't think they're capable of doing that either. To be honest. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very strange sort of title rise. Mm. I think it's the most exciting season for a couple of years. Um, you know, we remember Leicester winning the title. Yeah. Um, Tottenham as um, our friend Honest Dave uh, from 93.6 Global Radio uh, here in Spain, where we often uh, do a bit of punditry. Uh, he said that uh, Tottenham came third in the two-horse race that season. He's right. And I'm inclined to agree a little bit with him. We, you know, we bottled it against Chelsea at the, uh, the Battle of Stamford Bridge, which mm. ended up 2-2. We... We needed to win that to, to stay in contention, yeah. and the players ended up, you know, punching each other rather than kicking a football. <laughs> um, you know, wrongs on both sides. Chelsea, you were wronger. However, um, <laughs> however, <laughs> of course they always are. However, uh, in seriousness, you know, if if we carry on like this, we get, we are in contention. Um, kind of run out of players though we've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, your squad's not deep enough. Um, I, I think I'm right in saying ten of the injuries that you've had this season or tw- no 12 12 of the inju- 12, 12 of the injuries you've had this season come from 10 players who who went a long way during the world cup yes yeah actually you know, so th- there is there is something to be said for the argument that there are too many games and too mm. many too many cup competitions international competitions i mean the 10 out of 12 were in the world cup that that kind of says something to me um yeah. we didn't sign anybody again but let's uh, in the january transfer window it's just gone but let's have a look what Arsenal did in the transfer window. What, <laughs> I mean, what your impressions uh. and what's coming up in the summer? I mean, obviously you're not going to. Are you going to finish top four? Are the transfers working? And how much money is it going to be given? And oh. will he stay? Uh, let's see. Uh, 
Let's start with the first question first. Yeah, no, we're not going to we're not going to finish in the top four. Uh, you know, you look at the resurgence of Manchester United. Uh, it's just an unbelievable transformation. Arsenal, um, when they're good, they're very good. When they're bad, they're appalling. Um, they're, they're, they're your archetypal schizophrenic team at the moment. Um, will Unai Emery be there at the end of the season? Yeah, he will. Um, will they have any money to spend? Now, that's a really, really good question because uh, I, I don't think they're going to have a lot. I mean, if, if they have a war chest of about 50 million, I will be very, very surprised. Yeah, you know, I, 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 th I think one of the things that we may see happen is Messer Ertzel going, Arsenal cutting their losses on that. You know, 350k a week. You can't sustain that for a player that is plainly out of favour, and he's not actually playing that well either when no, he's coming on. And he doesn't seem to be very. He doesn't seem to be in um, Emery's plans, really, does he? In no. his style of football, he seems to be. I mean, he seems to have been cut out of you know quite a lot no, but lately. Em Emery likes to work at grassroots level. He likes to work from you know, uh, developing players rather than fully developed players. I mean, if you look at his, his track record, uh, I mean, certainly he's clearly a good manager. You don't get to, what was it, three UEFA Cup finals, uh, Europa League Cup finals. Sorry, going all retro there. Um, three Europa League Cup finals by being a bad manager. You, He's clearly a good manager. Um, I think he needs a bit of time at Arsenal. He needs a good... Well, he needs at least another year minimum. Right, right. Well, let's let's as we you know sticking with the Arsenal Tottenham thing here. You're Arsenal, I'm Tottenham. We're sat here in a civilized manner. You know, it, it lesson to be learned here. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people out there. But um, I've been ridiculed. Tottenham have been ridiculed for the delays to their stadium, the increase in prices, and for something um, that's <laughs> been talked about quite a lot. The cheese room. Now, football's <laughs> evolving. Football is evolving. Um, you know, just because you like some nice wine and cheese doesn't mean you mm. can't like football or opera or vice versa. However, however, the cheese room is non-existent. It's been announced this week, well, according to the Guardian newspaper, and you can trust them better than, well, let's not name any names, um, on a daily sort of ba basis, <laughs> um, as a male. Um, but however, according to the Guardian, um, there is no cheese room. Uh, so tickets for what's going to be called the H Club, um, Hotspur, I suppose, Hotspur Club, the H Club, um, which is like your VIP, are going to cost uh, round about 30000 Um There's going to be no cheese room. What a devastating loss to football. I completely disagree with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. he disagrees. Uh, uh, yes, I'm good. sorry. That, 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 was, that was just going to be coming at some point. That was, um, yeah, that was cheesy. 30000 um, for for a season yeah. to... Yeah, yeah, almost as much as Arsenal sells for normal seats, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that that seats at the top of the stand. I mean, right at the back. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah th uh, what denotes a thirty thousand pound game? I know, it does crazy. I mean, uh, you know, a thirty. Uh, oh, people really? went to see Leicester, by the way. You could get a decent seat at Wembley. A couple mm. of my mates went. A decent seat at Wembley uh, to watch the game behind it, almost behind the goal for about thirty quid against <laughs> Leicester. Not too bad. Not too shabby. No, no, Premier no. League. It's not too shabby at all. You know, um, so but I mean, Spurs aren't filling out Wembley Stadium anyway. Although, to be fair to Spurs, that you know, certain games are having to have reduced capacity anyway because of uh, uh, I think it's Brent Council's um, licensing laws. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, what it is, I believe, um, that you're not allowed to hurt for whatever reason in a lo local council or that. Um, you have to have certain events of under uh, fifty thousand. Um, if you want to have 90,000, it can only be once a month or something. So Tottenham are like cherry picking. So yeah. against Dortmund, 
they're going to allow more people in, and then you know, when you play Burnley, they're going to say, well, you know, less people. Mm. Uh, so they're picking it, ch- picking and choosing which ones they you can. Can't, you can't really blame Spurs for that. Um, I d- you know, I, I think any 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 side would be doing the same thing. Um, you know, unless their capacity was usually under forty thousand in the first place. Yeah, yeah. By the way, um, let's <laughs> something I had a little look at for this show that so we did discuss. Um, you know what? Because what the, we mentioned, Leighton James on the radio, the radio show that we do, uh, Welsh legend uh, player, Leighton James, uh, who back in two thousand and seven, he's by by the way also a pundit, um, got into a lot of trouble um, for going against Cardiff and all this kind of thing as a pu- uh, pundit who's supposed to be impartial. However, uh, in two thousand and seven, apart from being a pundit, he took his um, took his career one step further and won an award for it. Swansea City Council awarded Leighton James um, Rookie Lollipop Man of the Year. So there is a future. There is life after football. <laughs> he could become a lollipop man. I'd love to see I'd love to see Paul Pogba doing that. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Li- li- Lionel Messi standing there in the middle of his zebra crossing. <laughs> yeah, or, or being a greeter at Walmart or something. Have a, have a nice day uh, yeah. as he sives you down. Oh, that's uh, somebody else. Uh, so that's Vinnie Jones, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, there, there have been some um, footballers who've gone on to be actors, but let's have a look mm. at some of these. Dion Dublin. Now, if, like me, you're very often out of work, you'll spend time watching afternoon TV and you'll know that Dion Dublin has gone on, of course, to be a presenter of Homes Under the Hammer, <laughs> which is kind of a, a strange... I mean, if you're, if you're a producer of a television show mm. that's about selling houses, what is the first name as a presenter that comes into your head? Dion Dublin, really? Why? Mm, yeah, I, I can't see that. I, I, I've got to be honest. I'll, I'm going to have to watch an episode of that just, just to see, see what Dion... Does for the show. He's See very what he good. Brings oh. to the show. Oh, he's very good. <laughs> Is it? He does go around the houses a bit. Um, right. <laughs> 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 moving on. Moving on. Oh dear. Uh, other other players. Um, Roman Vega. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roman Vega, of course, who played for Tottenham. Now people call Much him vilified Roman Vega. Roman yes. Vega. Well, you remember him because listen, he's now the Wolf of Wall Street. Well, White Hot Lane. Uh, he's gone on to run a very plush uh, fi- working in the finance industry. Got a big office in Mayfair. Uh, recently admitted that he's made over 15 million since moving into finance. I, know, I, I, be, I mean, footballers aren't known for being smart, but you've got to be smart so to make that kind of money. Uh, yeah, but I think I can top that. Matthew Flamini. Yes. Matthew Flamini. Now, I'm sure you might know this. He, um, he dabbles in oil a little bit. Dabbles in oil. Yes, wow. and he's worth... Uh, well, p- to be honest with you, he's probably worth more than several Premier League clubs put together. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. What a, well, I mean, you know, the, some of these careers, are, I mean, it <laughs> we look at uh, Frank LaBeouf. Hmm? Frank LaBeouf is now an actor. He's now an actor. Well, so is Eric Cantona, of and course. Eric Cantona, yeah. There's Who was a few in the film Elizabeth, which is um, a fabulous you know, film. John, um, John Chidozzi. Yes, thank you. The yeah. great John Chidozzi. It's like an Orient. Guess what he does now? Go on. He's got a business running bouncy castles. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, lovely. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Hampstead. Uh, Hampshire, sorry. Hampshire, yeah. So the <laughs> and then, like I said, Frank Lebov is an actor. Roman Pavlachenko, mm. who is uh, what, another sort of one of those strikers that sort of like a flop at Tottenham. We, yeah. seem, to have, we seem to get a, you know, the odd pearl, but we do have people that they try their best. Jensen is one, of course, and Soldado. Pavlachenko is another one that people were willing desperately... Um, to score, but he just mm. had a, a bit of a torrid time uh, for Tottenham, who he signed for for 13.7 million back in 2008. He's now 
involved in Russian politics. He's deputy representative of the Duma, which is like city council or parliament, if you like, um, in um, St Stavropol, <laughs> uh, part of the United Russian Party. Uh, United Russia Party is the one to be in, by the way, if anybody mm. knows about politics, because that's the one that Vladimir Putin's a member of. <laughs> so if you're thinking of going into politics in Russia, that's the party to join, yeah. really. Uh, your career path's going to be a lot smoother. Well, he's, he's, uh, he's emulated... Um, do you remember a player by the name of Gregor Schlato, who played... Uh, he was a Polish striker, scored an awful lot of goals. Uh, I believe he was top scorer in the, I think he was joint top scorer or, or second highest scorer in the 78 World Cup. Um, he is also a politician and quite a, uh, quite a well-known one out in Poland. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've got a, couple, go. got a couple more for you. This show is all about fun facts and weird uh, things that you might not know. And that's one of them. What about this Thomas Brolin? I was talking about him yes. the other day. Yeah, Thomas yes. Brolin. Well, I mean, don't know where you start, really. Um, <laughs> quite a checkered <laughs> career following football. Um, he became a businessman, setting up an Italian-Swedish restaurant. I don't know, Italian-Swedish restaurant. Well, the Swedes love meatballs, and I suppose they go with spaghetti. Um, th unfortunately, the, uh, the restaurant was fined um, several times for permitting underage drinking. Uh, he then went into real estate before investing in a new mouthpiece for vacuum cleaners. Then he made a record with Dr. Alban. <laughs> You've uh, got to be kidding me. Then he, then he started a jacuzzi advert and then hit the headlines after his car collided with an elk. Then <laughs> an elk for an, an elk. elk. An elk. <laughs> an elk, yes. I mean <laughs> and then he turned to um, playing poker, which actually he's very good at, apparently, making a lot of money. And the final one I want to mention, ex-footballer, um, suffered a lot of injuries that blighted his career uh, very, 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 very early on, became a very famous uh, celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay. Now, he claims that he was a football player. Ah, yeah, uh, he was he on Rangers books, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. He uh, was on Rangers books. Um, so the Posse Mouth TV chef actually mm. was a former footballer and can be included vaguely in that little segment. But we, we can also chuck in there Craig Johnston, the inventor of the Predator boot. Brilliant, yes, by the way. I uh, mean, that's I, an achievement. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think you can top that. Uh, you know, no, that, that's, yeah, what are you going to do then? You know, retired at 27. Fantastic player, for, absolutely yep. fantastic player for everybody he played for. Middlesbrough, Liverpool, um, you know, he's a title winner. Um, absolutely. Great player and an extremely intelligent guy. I, I believe he also invented the mini-fridge or developed the mini-fridge. That's incredible. What a strange, I mean, you, you expect them to go into punditry and management and all that. But among those, that's probably the, the strangest. Yeah, I think be. that tops Thomas Brolin there, actually. Yeah, Craig, Craig Johnston is is just he, he's a force of nature. He's an enigma. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, Ex-players, let's continue. Hmm. Let's continue with uh, an ex-player. Um, there's going to be a statue of former England captain David Beckham unveiled outside LA Galaxy Stadium in February. Of course, he played there for six years. You know, six years he played for uh, Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, and, of course, he's co-owner of um, mm. an expansion, they call it an expansion club, into Miami. Mm. Sounds really trendy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but what do you make of that? 115 appearances for England, uh, joined LA Galaxy after four years at Real Madrid, left old chat. I mean, checkered, brilliant career. Great yeah. player, much maligned. Yeah. Uh, one of my heroes, footballing heroes, anyway. I like, like the guy, I think he did wonders for the game. But a, a statue, I mean, it's outside the stadium, so it's in context. Hmm. Yeah, he's um, is he, uh, you know, is he's, ready for he's that? no Bobby Moore. He's no you know, Bobby he's Moore. no Bobby Moore. He, uh, he was no Dennis Bergkamp. He, he was no Glenn Hoddle. 
I, I don't know. No. Uh, he was a really, him. really good player. Um, certainly the best player in his position for a very long time. Does he... Um, does he warrant a statue outside LA, LA Galaxy? I don't think so. Not yet. Not no. yet, probably. No. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about um, this show, because obviously we are being sponsored, if you like, or supported uh, by Our Bar, uh, which is in the El Zocco Centre, Calahonda, uh, in the south of Spain, in, um, in the lovely Costa del Sol. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One a Tottenham supporter, the other an Arsenal supporter. All here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Our bar, in the middle of our streets, our bar. Is the place where you should meet Open from one until late Come and try our food out Cause it always tastes great All sports are shown in here We've got a plasma springs And we've got ice cold beer Our bar In the middle of our streets Our bar Calahonda's where you meet Our bar El Soco is a place to be we're so kind and we're so friendly With great food and good value Make our bar your bar It would be madness not to Find us on Facebook at our bar Yes, our bar there, brilliant stuff uh, And mm. before we move on, Steve Yes um, Another one of our sponsors I do want to tell you about Who lovely, lovely people At Stuart Hill Exclusive Wines Now they do sell wines, but what they do is something quite unusual. Uh, they have wine forums. Uh, there was one recently in Madrid. Uh, they have wine forums where people go along, especially distributors who can buy their fine wines from them. They also uh, sell fine cheeses, cigars, uh, whiskey. I mean, all the things you need for watching a football match, to be honest. Mm. Uh, but at, at these forums, they kind of they, they mingle or mix culture and and wine drinking if you like or f wine appreciation uh, it could be theatre it could be live music uh, and now football they're involved with football um, so if you want to check out those forums and anything else you can go to their website uh, and take a little look at uh, what they do offer the wonderful people at Stuart Hill uh, and it's stuarthilluk.com all the w's dot stuarthilluk.com uh, check them out and actually I've, do you know what I've just done Steve you'll love this my dog I've trained him to fetch me a bottle of wine from the kitchen and bring it to me in the living uh, living room. He's really? a Bordeaux collie. Oh. Right, moving on. <laughs> a little <laughs> piece of me has just died. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's move on back to yes. the football, shall we? Mm. Um, yes. Please, <coughs> Steve, let's have a look at um, the Champions League, shall we? What's, I mean, we've got Manchester. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Yeah. It's a little bit time before kickoff. We've got a couple of hours before. PSG kick-off at Old Trafford. Uh, let's talk about Manchester United and the revival there first, shall we? Uh, it's nothing short of miraculous, is it? Uh, isn't it? Uh, you know, when you looked at Manchester United, what, three three months ago, four months ago, they looked like a side that were that were ripe for sixth position and no higher. Um, the players were not playing for for Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho was on edge. Um, he looked uncomfortable. 
you know, the, the, the fans, bless them, they, they, they were all over the place in, in relation to how they saw Mourinho, how they saw the club, where the club were going. Solskjaer comes in, you know, it, it's like a completely whole new broom is swept clean. And they are playing for Solskjaer. Solskjaer is a very, very good man manager. I, uh, tactically, uh, you, you've got to give him a few more games before um, you can sit in judgment of him tactic, tactically. I mean, you know, when he was at Cardiff, he didn't pull up any trees whatsoever. But at the moment, you can't argue with his record. Uh, what is it, 11 games? Yeah, 11 games, 10 wins, one draw. Yep. Uh, Two know, of those were cup games, the rest... Premier yeah. League games, so you're still up against good opposition, no matter what you say. Well, yeah, you can only beat the team that's in front of you, and 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 let's be honest, he's he's been doing that. So this makes for a very interesting situation because I've I've felt that Manchester United would be going for Pochettino as their next manager, but with Solskjaer doing what he's doing in the way he's doing it, there is an argument for Manchester United to offer Solskjaer a full-time contract or a long contract, I should say, because he's there temporarily. And for Chelsea to set their sights on Pochettino, which mm. I think is now more likely. That's an interesting point. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, because um, obviously I don't want to think about Pochettino <laughs> leaving Spurs. You know, as I said earlier in the, sh in the, in the show, Steve, people say Pochettino's won nothing. What's he done? He's transformed Tottenham mm. into a contender. That's the first step. Uh, with no, I mean, literally no money in the last transfer windows. Mm. Um, I would hate to see him go to Chelsea. If he has to go anywhere, I'd like it to be abroad, so I don't have to put up with that every week. Um, <laughs> but out of Chelsea and Manchester United, I would, I'd, I'd prefer it was Man United. I don't want him at Chelsea. Well, I, don't, I don't think he's going to go abroad now, because I think, um, as we were discussing on Saturday, um, Mourinho, I think he's going to be going back to Real Madrid or, or uh, Milan. Or Milan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't. So... You know, Real Madrid are not going to be chasing after Pochettino. So Pochettino's either going to stay where he is or he's going to end up at Chelsea. All right. Well, we shall see what happens with that. We'll bring you all that. Um, let's have a look then at the Champions League. We've mm. got some strong teams in there. Yeah. You know, the big contenders there. Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, of course. Yeah. Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> what yeah. what, what right, am I thinking? <laughs> uh, the, these games, you know, you're an Arsenal fan, so I'd better explain it to you. These games are generally on a Tuesday and Wednesday. Because I know your team plays on a Thursday. It's a different. It's a different thing altogether. It's the, it's the long trousers, big boys club, um, you know. But never mind. Uh, we've been mm. there. Uh, Tottenham. We've been there. Um, mm. Let's talk about the Champions League. Then move on to Arsenal's chances in the Europa League. Because you might need that. You might need that. Um, if you don't finish top four, you got to get in the Champions League next year. Otherwise, again, yeah, we 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 had a, a golden opportunity last season, um, and. You know, we unfortunately we we fell in the semi-finals against a very very good side. There's no reason, with in relation to the Europa League, why Arsenal can't go all the way. Although there's going to be a lot of strong teams dropping into the last 32, so that that could be a little bit of a, um, a handicap for Arsenal, who, as I say, are extremely schizophrenic at the moment. Um, I think that they've got to put out their strongest squads both in the Europa League and in the Premier League and try and at least get into the top four and get into the final of the Europa League. They, they need this. They need something. All right. Well, do you, I mean, I, I, th I mean, it's too early to say, and I shouldn't say it, but I think Tottenham all but guaranteed top four now, all mm. but guaranteed. I mean, we should be looking at more than top four, but I think unless something goes drastically wrong, and I'm looking around for wood... Mm. Um, <laughs> 
to, to not no I don't no no, pardon, no, no Mrs. No. Don't think <laughs> no no no. <laughs> no, I'm not, I haven't got wood. Move on. Yes. Okay, stop stop it. Um no, I mean it does look almost sure. Um Man United coming back a bit. Uh, Chelsea, you know, they've had a couple of bad games. I mean, you lose to... By the way, that mm. talking of bad games, that loss to Manchester City, 6-0, yep. was the biggest loss they've had since 1975. And that's coming on the back of losing 4-0 to Bournemouth, by the yeah. way. I mean, that's 10 goals they've leaked in the last whatever game, three games, plus the, you know, they won in between, didn't they? 5-0, well um, so won in between, didn't they? Uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, what, what was a bit disconcerting was the Manchester City fans singing Are You Burton in disguise to the Chelsea fans. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic, I love that. Um, you know, much as I despise, no, uh, Manchester City, uh, well no, done. No, we yeah, don't, we don't yeah. despise anybody. No, we don't. Uh, this is one of much. the beauties of this show. <laughs> I mean, I was going to make, that. there's that old joke, isn't there? You know, I'm a Tottenham fan. Uh, so the reason I hate Arsenal is because I'm a Tottenham fan. The reason I hate Chelsea is because I'm a football fan. But we actually, the thing about this show is we sat here, an Arsenal fan, a Tottenham fan, chatting about football. It's the beautiful game. You can relax, sit back, you know, at a game. Uh, it's civilised now. It's, it's got a lot more civilised than when I started going. And I think it's it, the fact that we can have this chat and, and enjoy each other's company and enjoy each other's teams when they play well. To some extent. To some extent, yeah. without any hatred or stupid it, words, that's the important thing. It, it showed that it shows that football's become over over sanitised, doesn't it? I mean, you know, whatever's transferred on the pitch now is kind of almost transferring off of the pitch. You know, in the seventies, you know, you used to get knee-high tackles, broken legs, and you're still used to carry on. Yes, um, yeah, well, uh, I mean, you yeah. know, they'd be fighting in the terraces and then going for a pint down the pub afterwards. In theory, would well, I'm far too young to remember all that? Yes, of um, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You started it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's good that it's it's good that that you know fans can sit and talk and, and in, uh, on occasion compliment the opposing or the opposing side or the enemy every now and yeah, again. Yeah, you've got um, you've got to recognise what I mean. You know, we'll watch. Hopefully, we'll watch Manchester United against PSG tonight. You know, you'd yeah. Uh, this is another argument, actually, going off of the tangent. But this is the other argument. You maybe you never support Arsenal in I, I as a Tottenham fan, never support Arsenal in anything they do, but you should always support your team, uh, fellow, fellow countrymen. So if Arsenal or Manchester United or Man City or Liverpool, God forbid, are in the final of a European Championship, mm. we should support them no matter that they're not our team because they are English. Now, that's a, you know, there's, there's this horrible plastic patriotism mm. that's going around these days. Uh, is that part of that? Do you think that's, do you think that's, we should support each other's teams in Europe or we, we should stick with our own team. O only if it's only if it's advantageous to to the club that you support. So if it opens up an extra place in Europe, then yeah. Um, mm. If not, then no chance. Yeah, or if you know <laughs> you, you you want Arsenal to you want you Arsenal know, to we, win four four nil away at Quara back because they get an extra ten games they've got to play that season. Well, yeah, but the th the thing is, I mean, you know, there are certain sides you know you sort of look to. I mean, as a as an Arsenal supporter, I I. I I still look at you know Newcastle United or even Liverpool's results. You know, have a little bit of affection for those sides, um, you know, and obviously lower down the leagues. And you know, we all have a Scottish side that we follow. Mine being Green at Green at Morton, um, who have got just a terrible stadium, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, would I want Manchester City to win the Champions League? No. Really, in all honesty, that's not because I have any hatred towards Manchester City. I just don't want to see them win the European Champions League. <laughs> yeah. Same applies to Tottenham. Same don't applies, to, yeah. you know, to to any other side. I don't, I, you know, I don't mind 
if Liverpool were to win it. I actually, I wouldn't mind if Manchester United were to win it, you know. Or yeah, that's days. funny, that, actually. That's, that's kind of before we started this little bit of segment. That was what I was going to say. We're going to watch PSG against uh, at Old Trafford tonight. And, I, you know, I do have a soft spot for Man United. It's a bog in Norfolk. No, seriously, I do have a soft spot for Manchester United. I don't mind them. They, I mean, I've, I've got friends who absolutely detest them and can't stand anything about them, but I don't mind Manchester United as much as something about Liverpool or Manchester mm. City might jar. Um, I'd like them to, I'd like them to see, beat, see them beat PSG tonight. I'd like to see I that. I think they will. Well, you see, a lot of people are saying it's going to be a step too far. No, no, I mean, you'll be listening to this, mm. the thousands of you who are tuning in, after the event. Um mm. And you'll either if we if we d- do a prediction now, Steve, and we get it spot on, people yep. will say we cheated and recorded it after. If we get it wrong, they'll say, "Well, I don't know what they're talking about." So probably best we don't predict the game. But <laughs> I would, uh, people are saying that PSG, they've got some injuries. Neymar's out, Cavani's out. Yeah. They've got they've got a chance. This is this is the chance they've got. Manchester United, best time to play PSG. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Um, do you know what? I am I'm I'm going to contradict you there. I I am going to make a prediction. I'm I'm fancying. A sneaky 1-0 win for Man United. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win over two legs, but I think tonight they've got a very, very good good opportunity uh, mm. of coming away with a with a slim win. It is the slim best lot. chance I've yes, Yeah, it is the best chance I've got. I think that if they are going to win it, it will be by mm. uh, the odd goal. Uh, very, you know, um, so we'll see, but that's yeah. going to be exciting. I mean, to, to, be, to be honest, looking in the, uh, the Champions League anyway, I think all, all of the English sides are going to going to get a result, to be honest with you. Well, we so we'll, we'll know about that later on, of course. Um, you were talking about, you know, terrible injuries and everything oh, um, yeah. in the old days. I mean, we, we were talking about Gordon Banks. What about Bert Troutman, of course, playing with uh, for Manchester City with a broken uh, neck? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, I mean, they, you know, they get... A to, to be fair, um, from everything that I learned about that, that Bert, Bert Troutman didn't realise he'd broken his neck. He, he, he had a bit of a headache, but... <laughs> <laughs> he carried on playing. That's um, amazing. The same he said Stuart Pearce. Stuart Pearce broke his leg playing for West Ham. Didn't know he'd broken his leg. Come off what? I think it was after about 60 minutes in the end and uh, was was had an x-ray, was diagnosed with a busted leg. Crazy. I mean, they don't, you just don't get that now, do you? I mean, there are, in fact, there are laws, health and safety, and quite rightly, I suppose, um, but there are laws that if you, I believe... If you're concussed in a game, football game, mm. you're not allowed to play in the next game, even if it's later in the, you know, several days later. I think you you're deliberately left out of the squad. Yeah, I think I think that that's true. I mean, and also if you've got, you know, blood injuries are another one. You know, gone mm. are the days of Terry Butcher with half a ton of blood pouring Claret down his face. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- that absolutely iconic photograph and probably one of the funniest memes around as well is Pat Butcher's face on. On, on Terry Butcher's um, England shirt, which is even better. <laughs> um, I urge you to Excellent. Google that. It's yes. funny. Look at it. Um, <laughs> That's funny, yes. Yes. Uh, you, you, won't, you won't see that anymore. You know, you, you just won't see it because, no. as I say, the game's become overly sanitised. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One, a Tottenham supporter, the other, an Arsenal supporter. All here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Sports are shown in here. We've got a plasma streets and we've got ice cold beer. Our bar 
others where you meet Allah. El Soko is a place to be Allah. We're so kind and we're so friendly with great food and good value. Make our bar your bar. It would be madness not to. Find us on Facebook at our bar. You're listening to um, Carl and Kenners uh, hitting the bar. I'm Chris Carl. That's Steve Kenners over there. You can't see him. Steve Kenton, big Arsenal fan. Chris Carl, Tottenham fan, sitting down in a civilised manner uh, to discuss football as often as we can to bring you this podcast, uh, helped by our friends Our Bar, where we record this lovely bar in Calahonda uh, in on the Costa del Sol, not far from Marbella. That's how posh we, me and Steve are. Um, also, uh, big shout out to Stuart Hill, uh, Stuart Hill Exclusive Wines, all the W's dot Stuart Hill UK dot com is their website where you can get all the information uh, about the, the beautiful wines uh, that they offer to distributors and the fantastic forums they do, uh, all about cheese making, then there's theatre uh, events that they sponsor uh, and so much, much more. Uh, Stuart Hill Wines are doing a lot of good in the community for culture, uh, for interesting uh, entertainment events and uh, bringing great wines and uh, wine to the, uh, to the attention of... Um, of the people, Steve, the people. Yeah, so Stuart Hill Wines, uh, stuarthilluk.com. And finally, let's mention Global again, Global Radio. Yeah, 93.6 Global Radio is uh, the biggest station on the Costa del Sol. It's the official English-speaking station here. Uh, they've been very supportive of this podcast. You may be listening to this on their website, which is global.fm. So a big thanks to them as well. And to Taxi Point, Steve, especially. Uh, yep, uh, Taxi Point. Uh you're I'm a taxi Tom. driver, aren't yes. you? <laughs> Part of the, one of the things you do, one of the things you do, is driving. I'm correcting this. A, a, a black cab around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hold a licensed London taxi badge. Um, have done for three decades. Wow. Um, you started driving very young, didn't you? Yeah, I was only four <laughs> at the time. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, I'm also one of the co-editors and a journalist on the uh, magazine and we, we just try and bring taxi news from across the UK and some stories from the globe as well. Uh, just good old-fashioned honest reporting. Brilliant. Uh, well, I think we'll just have another little word from our bar and uh, we'll be right back. So this is Carl and Kenners hitting the bar brand new podcast with an Arsenal fan and a Tottenham fan sitting down enjoying the beautiful game uh, brought to you by Stuart Hill Wines, Taxi Point, Our Bar and Global Radio. Uh, Steve, we're going to have a little segment, are we, each week, um, Go Retro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's European week, so, you know, let, let's have a little look at uh, some, some, some past European glories. Now, I want to look at Celtic to start with. Now, Obviously, if you're a Celtic fan, you will know this. If you are a massive football fan, you will probably know this. But when Celtic won the European Cup in 1967, beating Inter Milan 2-1, believe it or not, 14 players were born within a 10-mile radius of the ground and one within a 20-mile radius. Now, do you think that that could ever happen nowadays with the globalisation of football? No, that's absolutely incredible. It's very, very... Very few. I mean, you do get you know people who who have been born in the area or something who who mm. grew up as fans of whatever club they're playing for. I mean, you know, Robbie Keane is a fan of every you know boyhood fan of every club he played for. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, probably born near every single ground. But however, yeah, that's really unusual these days. You don't get that. No, e exactly. And you know that that brings me to you know if you if you look at some of the European greats, um, mo moving 
slightly sideways. Look, looking at someone like Gerd Muller, for instance. Gerd Muller, absolute legend, played for Bayern Munich. Would you believe in his entire career, <laughs> I couldn't quite believe this myself when I read it, he scored 1,461 goals in 1,216 games. And it still only makes him the second highest goal scorer of all time. And Pele wasn't at the top. Wow. <laughs> well, come on in. Right. Out of our misery. <laughs> the top, believe it or not, the, the highest scoring footballer in history. And this was 1931 to 1956. So th there was a bit of an interruption there because of the Second World War. Mm. A player by the name of Joseph Berker, who scored 1,468 goals in 918 games. That's 1.6 goals a game. Good, good. What? That's, That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Ronaldo, sit down, lad. Sit down, well, yeah, shut exactly. up. I mean, Pe Pele, Pele falls a very poor third. Most of his <laughs> goals are in ex exhibition games. And the best goal he ever scored, escaped to victory, that overhead kick. Yes, yeah. yeah I don't Superb. Know. That's not, never gets included in his stats, does it? Don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that is quite a record. That is quite uh, sensational. Mm. Um, look, we're coming, you know, we're into the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this particular podcast. We're going to be back every week with uh, Kenneth and Carl hitting the bar, but... We are an Arsenal and Tottenham fan, so we, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. Um, you know, are we going to do? And we're going to ask you guys and girls listening in uh, to send us your suggestions. Um, we're not going to, we're not going to come up with a definite article tonight, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, but we are going to discuss very, uh, very, very lo on loose terms, I suppose, to start with, uh, an Arsenal and Tottenham combined mm. eleven. Now, nobody is, you know, Tottenham fans and Arsenal fans are going to be aghast and shocked. That we're coming up with this idea, um, but let's you know, let's have a look at some I of the best I players. I think we have to look at some ground rules first of all. It's got to be within, well, certainly within our living memory from a moderately reasonable age. So we'll start this from 1975. You know, so unfortunately that would exclude players like the great Jimmy Greaves. We know he was one of the best strikers ever to have graced the game, but Put it, I mean, we, as a, as a, we as can't a include him because we never yeah. saw him in his pomp so you know True unfortunately enough. he has to be excluded but from 1975 onwards and so after Tottenham started we're winning anything basically is what well yeah pretty much yeah, thanks um, very much but <laughs> then I, I think we'll look at 11 a first 11 plus five substitutes so it's eight and eight eight players from each side or if they play for both sides then yes Ooh, yeah now there's there's one there's that's a few of those isn't there that's, yeah we're gonna that's gonna be a tough one well why don't you go through the positions right. well let's just just Talk about, I mean, in goal. In, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go for Jennings, but Seaman see see is you know, he's right up there and well he's one of the all-time greats I of the I Premier League. I think in our lifetime, it, uh, Spurs have had some great goalkeepers. Um, Ray Clements. Yes. Eric Thorsved. To name but two, you know, uh, Jennings. Hugo it's Lloris, by the way. I said great goalkeepers. Yeah, do we? Um, now, come on, he's captain of France. He's a <laughs> World Cup winner. Doesn't mean a thing. Colton Palmer played for England, for goodness sake. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, from from Arsenal's side, you know, you, you've had, well, 75. You, you've got Jimmy Rimmer, who was a fantastic goalkeeper. John Lukic, probably the best uncapped goalkeeper ever. Um, David Seaman, world class. But, again, I, I think I'm... I, I can't see past Pat Jennings. I really can't. I think he's probably... Well, that was it. No, nor could yeah. any strikers. That was why he was brilliant, Steve. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. can get past him, yeah. Yeah, I mean... So he, it's going to be Pat Jennings. We're both agreed on that one. Exactly. Big hands. Brave. Technique was brilliant. 
you know, you you just you just couldn't couldn't fault him. Well, what 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 about? I mean, I've got here Seaman or Jennings, and I've got Perryman, Steve Perryman. I mean, oh. what a brilliant, brilliant player, player. For Tottenham. I mean, my young days, very very young days. But you know, or or, or Dixon, of course. That's a tough Ooh. choice as well. I'd go with Even Perry, for me. I'd, I'd go. I'd go with Perryman on Perryman this one. Perryman just edges it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I mean, I. I remember as an Arsenal supporter. Yeah. This sticks in my throat big time. But Perryman was a superb defender. He's one of the finest defenders I've seen in a very uh, certainly at Spurs. Right. Um, but then, then if we're going to go left back, we've got to go Ashley Cole. I, I can't see past Ashley Cole. He's again one of the finest left backs ever to come out of this country. Yeah, I suppose it's gonna be it's gonna be him. And who else are you gonna have there in defence? You know, Danny Rose is, is he gonna be included no, in yours? No, not really. I mean, you've, you've really only got Ledley a choice. King. Wow, well, uh, Ledley King, Le- great, Leggy great, King, yeah. great player, but injury prone. Um, but I mean, again, looking at that left back slot, uh, and this might this particular subject might actually cross over into t- into two episodes. This incidentally, but um, Kenny Sansom has has. Got to have an honourable mention there as well. You know, Ar- Arsenal were, were built on defence for many, many years, although you'd never notice it these days. No, different, different stuff. Uh, I've got to say, it's got to be Ashley Cole at left back. All right, okay, brilliant. S- centre uh, of defence. There's a, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, much maligned, of course, Cashley and all that, the, the move yeah. to Chelsea, you know, all that stuff, of course. You know, you've got to make your money while you can. Well, indeed, indeed. In many ways. And, and we're not discussing subject, the morality of the player, we're just discussing. The ability. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the parameters, I suppose, is, I mean, I was, you know, I wanted Perryman because he was a great servant to the club as well and, uh, you know, a firm favourite with the fans. But really, we're talking ability, no matter what shirt they pulled on. But, defence, there is one (laughs) fellow, former candidate for Mayor of London, (laughs) the best footballer and manager the world has known, according to himself, Sol Campbell. I mean, it's really... (laughs) difficult for me to choose him because of what he did it really is but mm. when i was you know when he did it, it you know the, you know the horrible things and chants and things that tottenham fans say about him he was you know you get a job you, you know if i was offered a better job to move to you know from from i don't know marbella to gibraltar and i was offered mm. twice as much and the gibraltar company was twice as um successful I might. I mean, I know it's fan-based business, but it is a business, and you know the opportunity came up for him. You've got to look at it like that. But on the other hand, Judas. <laughs> well, as I said before, we can't really comment on the morality of what the player does, regardless if my team profited from it. But as a player, would you go Sol Campbell? And bear in mind, we're going to have two centre backs. You know, would you be going Sol Campbell, Dave O'Leary, Gary mm. Mabbott? Gary Mabbott, there's one, absolutely. Ga- um, Graham Roberts. Graham, Graham Roberts, Roberts is another one. I think Graham we, I think we, yeah. uh, we've got a solid defence now to build on. <laughs> well, oh god, and, and of course I haven't included Tony Adams yet because he was going to be my next defender. Ah, but, Tony Adams. Yeah. Um, would would I would I choose Sol Campbell over Gary Mabbott? Well, I certainly wouldn't. Mm. I have to say because mm. of Gary because of his loyalty, not necessarily. I, I think, and he was a worker. If you're going to have two centre halves that complement each other, you've got to have a bit of a clogger and a, someone who's a little bit more graceful. I'd actually, I I liked Campbell, but if if I'm being honest, I preferred Mabbott as a central defender. I really did. I, I'd be going with Gary Mabbott. All right, brilliant. Well, we're we're, we're forming the defence now, aren't we? So far, yeah. we've still got midfield. We've still got. Um, the strikers, and yeah. I mean a plethora we of strikers to yeah, choose we from. Still, we still need one more centre-back, and I'm going with Tony Adams all day long. All right, let's stick with that for now. We're gonna, what we're going to do with these teams, 
Um, shall we complete the team for today um, and then go back to it for the next well, uh, week? I think we can do that. Um, so let's quickly run through the defence uh, and uh, strikers. Mm. We'll post this as a preliminary uh, all-11 sort of Arsenal-Tottenham squad. Yeah, we can look at the, su- the substitutes next week. Yeah, all right. So in, in, div- in midfield, Modric and Bale. Boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> you think? What about Brady? Road oh Castle. Yeah. All right, well, we'll let you sneak him in then. <laughs> we've, got right. to, we've got to have Liam Brady in there. Got to, got to have Glenn Hoddle in there, in my opinion. Glenn Hoddle, yeah, absolutely. But you see, now, where would you sit Bergkamp? On the bench. Yeah, well, I'm going to stick yeah, him on the oh bench yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you want a drum roll for that? <laughs> now, in the real world, <laughs> yeah. would, you, would you have, have Bergkamp up front or would you have him sitting just behind I the might front have, I might have Kane and Henri and Bergkamp up front. Ooh. That's Kane what I probably would have. Henri. Hmm. Oh, if, well, obviously, then you've got Klinsman and Sheringham on the bench to choose from. It should one of those that need to come oh, you out. See, now I'd be going Malcolm McDonald over Klinsman all day long, or even Ian Wright. Ian Wright, yeah. There's a boy, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's for the bench. That's for next week. Yeah. Um, is that what we're going for? Is that our preliminary squad so far? So far, yeah, but there's got to be some adjustments in there. There's I definitely think. some adjustments. Yeah. Less Arsenal players, just as, you know. No, seriously, though. <laughs> no. You know, we are we're doing this on the hoof. This is this is all improvised. This is all, uh, you know, recorded live, and that was what we came up with, just immediately. Then uh, we're going to be tweaking that and polishing that, and coming up with our all-time Arsenal Tottenham eleven. We would urge you guys listening. Um, to please send us your suggestions. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, let us know what you, what you think your team is doing and any topics you'd like us to discuss. Uh, Steve, I think it's been a great start, hasn't it? It's been fantastic. And the wine's been very good as well. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, we're going to be back next week. This has been uh, Carl and Kenners hitting the bar with Chris Carl and Steve Kenton. Um, supported by Stuart Hill Wines. Uh, you can get them uh, all their information on allofw.stuarthilluk.com. From our bar in uh, Calahonda in the Ozoko Centre, if you fancy a, a, a well-priced drink and uh, loads of football. Uh, and, of course, Taxi Point, Steve. Mm. Um, great show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. All right. Hit the bar with Carl and Kenners. You're listening to Carl and Kenners. Hitting the bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One a Tottenham supporter, the other an Arsenal supporter. All here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar.